Hey y'all, Illidan here with a quick message. We realized episodes 1 through 12 had some rough audio and tech issues, and I tried to edit it all out, but it didn't quite meet our standards. So what we're going to do is we're going to be re-recording some of the topics in later episodes that inevitably will have more ideas and different content still pertinent to the original topic. So as you listen to these older episodes, we humbly ask for your patience as we press on and strive to bring you better content each week. If you'd like to continue hearing uh, the original episode, keep listening. If not, look for the topic name in our episode list in our new episodes where we've learned to fix some of those issues. We hope you enjoy. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, theys and thems, goblins and paladins all. This is the fifth episode where we, the story weavers, help you as players and dungeon masters, new, old, and aspiring, with questions and ideas for your next tabletop role-playing game. Welcome to This Dungeon is Occupied podcast. I am one of your hosts, Illidine, and I'm also here uh, with Thorn. Hello. And tonight we're joined once again with Robbie, who is now a permanent co-host. Hola. I now have a timeshare here. Exactly. Uh, And so tonight's episode is going to be about um, being at the table as a human being. So we're not going to talk about characters or in-game stuff. We're going to talk about the the out-of-game things that that should happen at a table. Basic etiquette. Basic etiquette. That's a good one. Yeah, definitely. Like, just how treating people like people, you know? Yeah, the world could do more with with a little treating people like humans. Um, (laughs) So uh, with that one, I guess the first thing that I'd like to do is talk about um, the top two uh, items on our on our picture notes, uh, respect timeframes and setting expectations. Um, Does anybody have anything right off the bat? Well, yeah, I mean, um, one of the whenever i whenever i do a game and I, you've seen it already because i i text you all like an insane amount and then i make whole new groups and they all block me off of the text so <laughs> you know um <laughs> uh i have to make another group and anyway um the uh the setting expectations is something i like to do at the very beginning um i i usually will send out well, i'm playing with new people who i don't typically play with i'll send out like a large or two large paragraphs about respecting each other at the table what what are the expectations that i have of you while you're sitting at the table um just basically treating people um kindly no bullying um no uh no i i don't want to say like complicated topics but no like nothing that you know might might sit somebody off at the table. Nothing that makes anyone uncomfortable. I mean, we could say it. Politics and racism. Yeah. Or, you know, like, <laughs> no phobia. Um, unless yeah. it's arachnophobia. Because I love spiders. Um, yeah. Okay. You, want to, you want to set any, anybody's PTSD off or anything like that? Because some of the themes, and depending on the table you play, I can actually get pretty dark. Probably. <clears throat> and... <laughs> I mean, people have to to have to expect that you can't just go in there cold turkey. Oh yeah, I always had a disclaimer. Yeah, and uh, there there has been an argument in recent years, um, uh, especially floating around Reddit about a a a pregame survey during session zero. I don't necessarily do like a survey per se. Like I don't hand everyone out a piece of paper that you know 
they all have to everyone has to fill out and says what your hard limits are or anything because that that sounds too much like my bdsm contracts so uh, <laughs> uh, but no but on a serious note it's it's more like uh the the, the form that i've seen are it'll say like, okay, here's my name, here's my character idea, and here's my hard limits um, for, um, you know, this and this and this of like, like Robbie, you said arachnophobia. If I, if I had a phobia, I have to put that in there. So that way my DM doesn't uh, cover that topic as a, you know, a horror theme. Um, and there's obviously other stuff that is, it you would think is generally accepted as a a faux pas at a table, but there's plenty of RPG horror stories on Reddit about different things that probably shouldn't be in a fantasy game, even though they do happen sometimes. Um, and I won't really. I'm trying to be vague about it. Um, I'm sure you guys know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> So yeah, we, we do. <laughs> yeah. So just, I mean, just setting those expectations and letting people know, you know, like, Hey, these things aren't acceptable at my table. Like if, if I'm DMing or story weaving um, it's a, it's a thing where I say like, these are not acceptable at my table. Um, and if it happens, you know, I have a two strike rule. I talk to you the first time I say, Hey, you know, this is not something that I like at my table. The rest of the people who are playing don't like this either. Somebody's come up to me and said something, or I just know, you know, right now I play with uh, mostly my friends. So I know all these people uh, don't like a certain thing in their game. So let's go ahead and put an end to it. Um, and if it, if it ends and they change or whatever, and the, I mean, the game can go on, but after that, it's, uh, I'm totally not afraid of saying, Hey, like, don't come back to, uh, to the table. <laughs> yeah. And, and that, that's, that's the hard truth. And it's kind of sad that, that sometimes that happens. And, and I've had to kick people off tables before. I'm sure the both of you have also, uh, it's not fun. But if you don't set those limits before, uh, you know, hopefully if you do set them, it can stop it before it happens. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I actually haven't had any experience with having to kick someone off my table before. Um, wow. Fortunately. Well, because I typically, I typically will um, survey them at the beginning and usually I will nick it in the bud before. <laughs> I, I will sooner... I am the cross and allow you to play in my game in my game and cause issues. <laughs> <laughs> um, usually how that goes. So I um, yeah, I haven't I haven't had to deal with things, but I have had her I have heard horror stories from people that have that have been playing um role I've been playing uh tabletop games for like a really long time and they're like, yeah, I had a player who said this or did this at my table and I look at them in shock and I'm just like that is ow <laughs> yeah and I mean okay so we we are an 18 and up podcast so if guys if you're listening and you're not over 18 or you have a trigger warning perhaps uh cover your ears for a second but like I don't think that rape should be in a game period it's just not something no. 
Like it doesn't oh, yeah. make any sense or it doesn't add to the game at all to put that in there. So that's that's one of those things that I like that's almost like a one strike rule for me. <laughs> but oh, yeah, yeah. No. as we've as we've said, like we set those expectations up front so that we don't have to get to that at the table. You know, so whenever well, I'm I'm DMing for like people I don't know cuz like right now, I mean like I said, we we're just we're all like all six of us are all friends that were at the table. So we already know the expectations and kind of have, you know, this understanding of don't do that kind of stuff. Well, it's, it's all, like you said, it's, it's being human. It's, it's being respectful and polite. Right. That is where it needs to start. Yeah. And it's like yeah. what you, when you said at the beginning about like the time frames. If you guys, are, if, if your group agrees on a time, you know, like we usually like seven to 10, mm-hmm. it's great. If you're going to be late, text somebody. Right. Let them know. Just text. Say, hey, I'm running a little bit behind. I'll be there as soon as I can. That solves everything. Oh, yeah. That's really easy. And on, you know, on that note, if you text them, you know, hey, I'm running late, go ahead and start without me. A lot of DMs are very capable, like at least the three of us, we have done it where we've started a game where somebody has either missed a camp, uh, a session or has been late to a session. And we just play as if that character is either there, if they're going to be there soon, or we just write it to where they're, you know, maybe they went to the tavern for the day and, you know, they come back later. Yeah. And it's just like, we usually play them off as the invisible man in the background. Like, it's yeah. just like, oh, hey, you're there, but you're not there. Um, but when it comes to time frames, like, I'm, we're pretty flexible when it comes to when, when people message us or tell us they're running late. or, uh, And we're really big on communication. Like, we'll yes. usually message each other and be like, hey, are you dead? Or are you, like, <laughs> have you... Yeah, because, I mean, we're all adults. And, or at, you yeah. know, at least at our table, we're all adults. And, you know, things happen, work keeps you late or something or you know a flat tire or something it's it's gonna happen it's life um and even you know i remember playing and in, uh, i remember playing in high school and still i mean things happened all the time you know surprise uh uh like uh, rehearsals for band and stuff like that or you know i forgot something or i had to do homework or especially you know in the younger years your parents telling you no you can't go to your friend's house today um that's just that's life it happens but as long as we communicate we can move on from there or in my case when i was younger no i couldn't go over his house because his parents said i couldn't go yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah and it's it it gets a lot it gets harder to gather people at a set time frame once the older you get because oh, all me. the responsibilities of life <laughs> like kind of pop up you know your whole oh, ceiling yeah. might fall on, <laughs> on you yeah <laughs> um, you well, might have to disappear for like a week but yeah. you know as long as you communicate it usually works out pretty well yeah oh it's like when raven had to miss part of my campaign for months mm-hmm I just stuck her in a pocket dimension. She was good. That's fair. Yeah. That's an alternative. You can add to fairies that protection them out. Yeah, and he used it to torment the rest of us. It was great. 
I mean, I had to do something with it. It was too juicy of an idea. It was a juicy <laughs> idea. Um, and maybe we could do an episode on on that one. That would be fun. Um, yeah. But uh, tying into the to the time frames is uh, being prepared. I mean, you know, if we if we do set the time and you know for sure you're going to be there, it, it's respectful to you know, let's say seven o'clock. It's respectful to be there a little bit early so that you can get your stuff set up. You know, because there's there's inevitably like, oh, I've got to pull my dice out. I've got to pull my books out, my character sheet, you know, whatever. And then time to play, because the the thing that does happen uh, sometimes at tables is we all say we're going to start playing at seven and everyone gets there at seven or gets there at seven ten. You know, they're running a little late, but they didn't communicate. And now they're here. But, oh, let me get my stuff out. Let me you know, I'm not ready yet. Let me wait. And then you end up starting the game at 7:30 and you've lost 30 minutes of game time and sometimes one or more people may feel like well I didn't get enough in the session and especially like with uh, with my campaign thorn is very acutely aware of how slowly the campaign rolled <laughs> whenever sometimes we would get sidetracked and you know and it and it happens but it was just it took so long to get through like a day in D D terms. <laughs> yeah like the arc the arc was a year and a half long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a it was a big one and I tried to keep it on track but I mean Sometimes, especially because most of it happened during the pandemic mm-hmm. over Zoom, and we're not able to see each other. So there are times when it's going to happen. Yeah, and we just roll with the punches. And I mean, we ended up voting for uh, time jumps multiple times. You know, because it was a year, it was a year and a half IRL. It was in real life. You know, uh, in game, it was actually supposed to be five years, but we just we had to just move it along so we did these time jumps and things to to get the story to move and we just did a couple of rolls and okay here's what happens with these guys here's what happens with your party blah 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 and then move on with the story so that we could actually get to what we wanted to which for in this instance was the god war (laughs) yeah i remember that i came in in the middle of everything Um, (laughs) but um but when you're talking about being repaired it also being prepared it also goes back to like we talk a lot about how we um how we play as like our friends group but our friends group is very like lenient with one another like we mm-hmm. we tend to start on later times um like me for example i um sometimes uh uh will not be prepared when when my game's about to start and it's a running joke with me because i'm like i have i can't get technology to work for me apparently um <laughs> But uh, but we, we've all talked about wanting to be professional DMs. And a lot of that goes back to what we were talking about, like setting expectations and like being prepared. Um, it shows a level of professionalism, like um, right. you with you and your players, like you setting your expectation with them. And then them, since we want to get paid for this um, and they are paying us to do this, then mm-hmm. it just, it's just good practice. Right. Yeah, it's good that. practice for that. We're not just yeah. talking about players. We're talking about players and story weavers alike yeah. at the table. It's just every human being should should act that way. <laughs> um, and a lot of it's I mean, you know, Thorne said it a little while ago. It A lot of it is common sense or at least should be. And a lot of it is just 
purely being respectful to the other members in your group because i mean nine times out of i would say at least eight out out of ten times um the group is all friends it's not going to be random people but like robbie said you know if we're professional dms and we get hired for a group we're not we're probably not going to know any of them except for the interview that we do before we agree to the to the game or the session zero before the actual game starts so there's very little time to set up that rapport with that person um but we all have to be respectful and mindful of of the rest of the table and a lot of that especially if we're doing it in person a lot of that has to do with body language you can absolutely tell when somebody's uncomfortable if somebody is just dial it back just to, just pull back a little bit and just see where that threshold is you know yeah, just just a smidge you know, and and i have i have been in a game um and this is actually a really good one that can tie into another note of resolve conflicts off table Oh, I'm jumping around a little bit, but um, I have been at a table where we had to stop and um, talk to one of the players out of game because we none of us knew that she had a past about something that happened. And, you know, it was a, a family member thing. And, you know, I won't get into details, but um, which, you know, she had put herself into her character. And so when something happened to that character, it hurt her personally and so we you know we stopped and we talked about it and you know we were able to fix and change you know not necessarily change the story but at least not focus so hard on that you know the, the sad story of it and we were able to move on and and go um but that also brings us to something that uh thorn and i are very adamant about is character death <laughs> it's it's not fun all the time but it can be depending on the role play you know, um, if if a character dies, you can't you can't really take it personally. And the only time that I would say that you can is if you know for a fact your DM is targeting you. But then that it's becomes a whole fine, other. <laughs> I have had DMs do that to me. Yeah, I've had I've had DMs do that to me. It's not fun. I actually quit the table after that because of it. Exactly. Uh, but it's when I make a character. And I put a lot of thought into my characters when I make them, mm -hmm. my good ones, right? Because I do random, I do random characters just to have fun. But when I do that, that in depth thing, like I've done for you, Illidan, and you, Robbie, I've done characters for both your campaigns that I put a lot of thought into. Mm -hmm. I even wrote a backstory out for Robbie's last campaign. That's that's a lot for me. Cause I don't write. Yeah, I loved and, it. Left three minutes. Yeah, it was good. If that character dies, you cannot take that personally. Right. This this is a game. Yeah. Where it's like, now I understand, especially new players, they get attached. You know, you don't want to see characters die. But it's, 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 I can guarantee you it's going to happen. Yeah. And you know what, though? Uh, as long, like, this is more specifically to the DM, as long as you can spin it so that it is a good death your player isn't going to be upset as bad now because there's there's a difference like you know we're we're talking about being connected to our character mm -hmm. uh look at um uh, critical role right i have seen mm -hmm. most uh, almost all of their uh their cast 
cry because of a, a character death, but they're not mad at Mercer for that. It's just that it was an emotional scene. It was a heroic death or it was a terrible death in, in the, uh, <laughs> in the point of Marisha's character turning into a goldfish and splatting. Um, those, you know, Matt Mercer was able to spin the story to where it, it, it involved all the players, even the one whose character died, got them all into it. You know, they were um, entranced by it. And then, uh, you know, they moved on and that person could write, a, you know, roll another character for the next session or whatever. Um, as long as you can do that, give them an epic death uh, or um, at least a, a good story RP'd, then it's okay. But if you're just like, no, your character dies because I don't like you in real life, that's not cool. <laughs> and I... I have a I have a pretty good experience with that because um, I have died a lot in a lot of D and D games. <laughs> no, now that I think about it, <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I, I've had I've had about six character deaths and like some total of all the games that I've played, which is a lot. But I mean, oh, six character deaths is a lot too, and um, it's it's always been like for example in your campaign, um, Odin, the mm-hmm. uh, the um you know the my sorlog yeah sorlog's death and uh it's and it's weight and significance at the time also i did have a character die in like the first the first session of the second arc yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's less, less than five minutes <laughs> less than five minutes but you know what like going going on that the we we all three of us because it was also partly thorn's fault um but all three of us role played it to where it was epic. I mean, we were all laughing. You know, we we saw what was going on. The characters themselves had some epic lines and stuff like that. And then Robbie just, you know, you you rolled a a, a new character on the spot, and that was a really badass creative. It was amazing. Yeah, that <laughs> we we talked about in uh, episode two. So if you guys want to hear that, go to episode two. Uh, and talk we're talking about horror um his whole character creation is in that episode so we won't touch on it here um but but yeah go ahead oh but definitely when it when it came to um when it came to character death uh um, the other because i played in a game with a friend of mine had a, a whole magical world setting and uh we were essentially like teenagers and stuff mm-hmm. um playing we're playing teenager characters which made the whole which made the expectations a lot differently because we were, we were teenager characters. So there's a lot of stuff you couldn't do mm-hmm. when, uh, playing as teenager characters. But um, yeah, the it, it's uh, when my character died, it was like epic. And yeah, it was it. it I was more more upset at my actions than I was at the DMs. <laughs> um, and like it was, but it was an epic death, and it was very like it was very sad. Like people got people cried. Um, at the table and it was like a very like sad death mm-hmm. and so it's just as long as you play it off right um and you don't and there's no animosity between you and the uh and the story weaver it's just it it can be something that's an amazing narrative piece to the to the game right um so and could last all through the game if you roll a new character that character death could be a guiding force through the through the game that the story you're telling 
So, mm-hmm. yeah. And when it comes and when it comes down to it, like the character deaths and everything, it's all a learning experience. Yeah. Because yeah. as long as I've played D uh, played D and D and been a DM and a story weaver and a storyteller, I still learn mm-hmm. from my friends now who happen to be some of the best RPers I've ever played with and some of the best DMs that I've ever played with. I mean, I learn stuff every session. So if you take that, that character death and you put it and you, you learn from it because unless the DM is just sniping at you and trying to kill you, there could have been ways you did things differently. There could have been, you know, things touched on differently. You learn from that. Yeah. And it just gives you a good experience. Yeah. And it, especially if the DM is saying, are you sure? <laughs> if you hear oh, yeah. those three words, hey. run. <laughs> any, any player that's listening now and your DM asks you, are you sure? Think about what you were doing because you're about to mess up. Yeah. And uh, there, there was an RPG horror story that I saw that I, I wouldn't be able to remember the name of it. So I'm not, I'm going to do it. I'm going to say it vaguely. Uh, but um, he was talking about a player that went around and he was just non charismatic to everyone and decided he wanted to kill the Baron in the Baron's town. So of course the, the, baron's guard the townsfolk everybody that was the consequence they essentially had to dungeon crawl their way out of this town and just mass murder everybody well um the table didn't necessarily like that outcome you know the guy was you know whatever playing how uh he was playing and that's going to segue into my next uh point but they the the dm kept telling him uh that you know, this is not the, a, a good choice. Something bad's going to happen. Are you sure? Blah, blah, blah. He kept John Drucken. Okay, consequences are, are consequences. They're going to happen. Um, and that ties into the point of playing to your character doesn't give you an excuse to be an ass. <laughs> if, if you have a, a, a chaotic evil or a chaotic neutral character, it doesn't mean that you can just take control of the whole game it still has to be fun for everyone at the table. Exactly. You have something, Thorn? I heard you unmute. Hold on. I said, yeah, this is a, this is a group game. Yeah. Everybody needs to have fun. If you're an asshole to everybody, it's not going to be fun. Right. And, I mean, I've seen almost fist fights break out of them games wow i mean i've seen guys get up into each other's faces and just i've seen friendships ruined over a guy that thinks his player needs to be an asshole to everybody Mm -hmm. that's not true just because you're chaotic evil there's ways to go about it you ain't got to be an asshole yeah and that go ahead robbie oh no it's true like um even if you were to play um somebody who's like doesn't understand like social cues or somebody who's mm-hmm. whose nature it is to be like uh like a, a dick in the in in the game it doesn't mean that you have to um stall the game 
with how dickish your character is. Like, yeah. just picking key moments to express your character's personality. Mm-hmm. Like, and really understanding how the role play is going. Like, it, it, it can be a fun, a fun part of the game, but only, like, at certain points. Like, you can't do it the whole game, and you can't be a dick to everybody at the table, or, you know, you'll die. <laughs> yeah. And, and that also goes with, like, uh, who, know your audience as well. Because, like, you know, the six of us uh, that play together, we all are fairly, we, we, we're very close to each other as, as friends. We know fairly well what our, our limits are. And so, you know, myself and Thorne, we can do crazy things. And, and, and Robbie has done a little bit of it too, but like Thorne and I are in Robbie's campaign in Ugorth and we are just breaking things half the time and kind of being you know super chaotic um but we're we're still not being assholes about it you know and and we don't ever say like whoa this is what my character would do like that's just it's a bad excuse like if it's what your character would do it has to be you have to be able to give a, a real reason for it like is it a virtue is it a flaw is it um part of your backstory which you know, if it's in your backstory, you should have talked to your DM about it. Um, and the whole table should be okay with it. Because, I mean, sh- shenanigans can be fun. If you want to be an asshole for asshole's sake in-game, uh, that's okay. Like, your character just being an overall jerk, and it's going to be... We all know, you know, the, the whole the whole group knows that it's going to happen, and this character is going to get us all in trouble, and that's part of the fun then great but when it becomes a, a problem then we have to start resolving that out of game and, and away from the table and also remember when if your character is an asshole in game it doesn't mean he's an asshole to his group right he can be an asshole to everybody else yeah all the npcs which one of my past characters was right <laughs> So, I mean, it, it can cause all sorts of chaos and trouble for the group in the long run. As long as it, you don't focus it on the group, a lot of times your group isn't going to care. Yeah. Exactly. Um, one of the better examples that I know about something like that is is the um, characters who play characters that are like seduce or mind control people. Mm-hmm. Um, like doing that to against like a player's like will um or people who like to try to like take over their like teammates and stuff mm-hmm. things along that nature um yeah could <laughs> could get really really yeah and i mean i i do i mean this could almost be a full episode all in itself but i do try to keep the romanticisms and seducing away from my table just because um it has to be done very tastefully for me to really care about it like i don't think that it adds too much to the game you know if you uh if you flirt a little bit or whatever you know character to npc or something i think that that's okay but if you're actively trying to like will somebody into sleeping with your character like there's uh, i mean i for damn sure am not gonna rp a sex scene so i mean what's the point (laughs) you know (laughs) 
Oh man, RP and sex scenes. We need to make an episode about it. it has yeah, to- we do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will say this. I I don't shy away from the relationship part no. in my campaign. Yeah, but I don't make it a focus. Right. That's and, true. And and I mean it, the I guess the thing that I I try to avoid because I like you said I don't shy away from the the romance or the the relationship about it, but if especially player to player if their character is like actively saying no and you know you just keep on it if it's not like the running joke of the table that player might be becoming uncomfortable and you know start taking it personally so lay off but if it's something like you know uh i don't like like myself and raven we're, we're dating outside the, the game. So sometimes, yes, our characters will have a romantic backstory to it or something. But we talk about it beforehand. It's not the main focus of it, you know, and it's just flavor text in that sense. Um, and, it's cleared with the, and it's cleared with the story weaver. Exactly. And, you know, it could be a really great thing. Um, there's been plenty of examples um, and... Um, story ideas on TikTok and Reddit and stuff about relationships and having an actual wedding uh, in the D&D campaign and, you know, having that a whole session of just skill checks to see how well the wedding goes and who shows up and, you know, all that stuff. It can be great, but it has to be, it has to be done. Uh, what's the word? Um, organically. Tastefully. Yeah. Tastefully. Oh, okay. And consensual. And consensual. Well, I mean, that's the biggest one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, So before we get to the final one, which is obviously have fun, um, metagaming. So for me, metagaming is okay if it's done well, if it's done correctly, in my opinion. Um, Because you can RP metagame and it not be... Uh, it not be actually metagaming because so for people who don't know what metagaming is it's it's having outside information about the campaign or the encounter that your character may not know and so you know for instance the three of us we have quite a few years under our belt of playing D&D we all know that trolls are you know, sensitive to fire. And if we use fire to damage them, it affects their regeneration and blah, blah, blah. But if we're playing a level one or a level two character who in our backstory has never, ever, ever met a troll, he does not know that, or she doesn't know that. We can't play with that knowledge. So we have to do it differently. And so one of the examples that I've used is I will talk to my story weaver and say, hey, you know, Illidine knows that this is, uh, you know, uh, weak against fire, but can I do a wisdom roll or can I do a history check? Maybe my character's read a book about trolls or something. And if it's a high enough roll, then, you know, he goes ahead and says, okay, yeah, you know, you were in the library one day and you read a, a, a book on trolls and you, you vaguely remember something to do with fire. And so then I have to role play my character saying, hey guys, let's, let's light a torch and see what happens and if the you know then the dm has to role play the the troll being a little afraid Mm -hmm. stuff like that yeah and then for 
for me, like it was, uh, um, I've, I've had times in my, um, well, it, a big issue that I noticed is that when we, <laughs> when people, people we know play, um, play uh, like the D&D modules, like the popular ones, yeah. that's when, that's when all hell breaks loose for metagaming because yeah. um, everybody's like read them, people are played them over and over, they're, they're, everybody is, they're the most popular ones. And then um, one of them was where I was playing Horde of the Dragon Queen with my, my friends group on Fridays. And um, they, my character has a really high intelligence. Mm-hmm. And we ran into a dragon and somebody was like, I'm going to cast an illusion in front of the dragon. And I was like, can I, can I, um, I, I asked the DM, I was like, can I, can I roll an intelligence check for that? <laughs> can I can I roll like a, a nature check for that? And he was like, sure. And I rolled really high, and I was like, they have Druzite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it's not gonna work. It's not gonna work. It, it, the modules are a big thing. Um, I personally have played Curse of Strahd, I don't know, four times. Horde of the Dragon Queen, and three times I think, and ran a couple times myself. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it, it's hard yeah. when you know what's coming, right? So well, it, huh? You can you can change just a little bit of it, like as a as a story weaver, um, and like Robbie had done a really great job uh, in Curse of Strahd that session one was not page one of Curse of Strahd. It was this whole other thing that he created, and I loved the story behind it. And Robbie, if you want to talk about it, you can. Um, oh, but just a just a small, you know, tweak, and it changes things. Um, and uh, before I go to to Robbie, um, you know, Thorne was saying about uh, Horde of the Dragon Queen. We're playing that now, but instead of it being a level one to seven, it's a level twenty to 27 campaigns so everything is like yes the bare bones of it is the same we're still going to greenest we're still going to the to the camp i'm throwing way more at the players than they were expecting you know because i mean the oh, first you, the first you encounter got, you got, you've done a good job of twisting it too yeah, yeah you have <laughs> i mean the 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 fun part of at least for me about that one is that you know the first encounter was supposed to be four kobolds and i was like so an ancient blue dragon and some kobolds <laughs> yeah. i was like but uh, I, 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 that's what everybody doesn't realize and that could be a whole other uh episode oh yeah easily taking uh these uh these you know books that they have for Strahd, you know all these campaign modules and making them your own because that can you can change anything you want in those yeah that's true um and like you said like uh Elodine said about um about the uh the Chris Strahd campaign I I just what I did is I to make it different because I was playing at a table where everyone had played it I combined it with Rhyme of the Frost Maiden and um I did that. I added uh, ten towns around uh, Barovia, and then I also included um, this module called Witch Plus Craft as the first place to start to kind of contrast the dark and the dark and the whimsical. <laughs> um, 
don't know if anyone's played with Switchcraft, but it's actually really good. It's got an excellent system. But um, I did that as the first as the um, first session to kind of throw everybody off the scent that we were playing Curse of Strahd. Right. I don't think we actually played Curse of Strahd until like third session when we finally came <laughs> to Barovia. But you know, it was but it was good because it 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 made it impossible for people to metagame right. the um, the elements. There's like, well, what is this? Like, what what is this? Yeah, so. and that that's something you know. As for players who are listening, don't actively metagame. So that would be like, okay, you guys are in an encounter, and you as a player don't actually know the weaknesses of this monster. Don't Google it on your phone. Like that takes away a lot of the encounter uh, encounters power, you know. If you because if you already have the knowledge, you know, like we've we've discussed before, yeah, okay, you could talk to your your story weaver and say, hey, you know, I as a player know this knowledge, but my character doesn't. But if you're just actively googling, okay, what's the best uh, tactic to get rid of a troll or get rid of a, a dragon, then you're taking away the fun for the rest of the table, including the story weaver. You know, they, they spend a lot of time and, and in prep and writing their campaigns, or even if it's a module, these modules aren't like, you know, just four pages long and can be easily memorized. There's a lot of prep time involved and that's a whole other episode entirely about prep time. Um, but if you're just going to, metagame and google the the answer to the puzzle or the answer to the best tactic for this encounter then where's where's the fun of it it's supposed to it's supposed to be a role-playing game you're supposed to roll some some clickety clack math rocks and you're supposed to kill things and you're supposed to to act out these different encounters and if you just have all the answers you're just doing a sudoku Exactly. That right there. <laughs> and that can actually segue to another topic that I feel passionate about at a table. I'm and so I know Robbie feels a separate way. <laughs> I'm just, just going to mute I, and sit back. <laughs> I have some examples that even you, Robbie, have got to admit is wrong. Oh, wait, one more time? I said, I said I have some examples of something that a player that used to play with us used to do. That even would bother you. Oh, about, about paying attention? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just don't use his the name. Biggest, the, I'm not going to. The biggest thing, the, one of the biggest things is when, when a story weaver spends a lot of time or thought into what's going on and what's happening, and he looks up, and he's made it maybe specific for a character to, to draw out the tension or the drama. And he looks up and they're staring at their phone, playing a game, looking at Facebook, just not even paying attention to you. It's disrespectful. And it shouldn't happen. Now, I can understand looking at your character sheet if you have a of an app on your phone, like like D&D Beyond, looking at your character sheet, trying to figure out your next move, that's fine. But just blatantly disregarding what you're saying because they got to check their Facebook page. I mean, come on. How is that cool? That's true. And that, that is, 
you're correct. I, it is disrespectful um, because if you are, um, you've, you've put all this time and this effort into the, the story you're telling and somebody, um, somebody's like on their phone or on their iPad or on the computer, just like doing something else entirely. But, um, but one of the, one of the things that I, I've, I learned when playing, when, um, when being a story weaver and like communicating with my, my table about things like that, about like paying attention and like being off your phone. Um, I found that uh, it, it, it doesn't leave room for the conversation, people who, who, um, who, who need to do that, like who have trouble paying attention or have trouble concentrating, like um, have trouble focusing. So they like have to be on their phone, like flipping through stuff and like they're paying attention, yes, but like they have to be doing something else as well in order to focus. Um, and I did have a player like that once. So um, they, it's, it, it, in most cases, yeah, like it, it, it comes off as very disrespectful, but I, I tend to have a little more leniency towards it because you never, you never know that people are, are going through. True. Um, and I'll be devil's advocate there. The people who do need that, who, you know, like are, are neurodivergent, like myself or like Raven, who um, does play on her phone or plays with something while she's listening, you can tell the difference because they're still paying attention. So when you say like, okay, what's your next move? They know exactly what they want to do. They know exactly where the story is. They know exactly where the encounter is. But on the flip side, if they're not doing it because they need to, when you say, okay, what do you do next? And they they just go, huh? What, what happened? I'm sorry, I wasn't listening. That's the Which part the that kills <laughs> Yeah. Oh, <laughs> we had a we had a guy that used to play with us, and and God love him, he was a good guy. Yeah. But he would play League of Legends. Oh my God. Which while is a, we were playing. Which League of I play League of Legends. That's a very like intense mental fortitude game. Like you have to pay attention. <laughs> and every time we'd ask him what he would do, want to do, it was like, huh. And then he would complain that he wasn't doing enough. Yeah. Um, I mean, that would that drive me nuts. <laughs> it would it would drive me up the wall too if somebody was just like, "Wait, what was going on again?" Because at that point, I know they're not they I know they're not like I know there isn't a something else going on. They're just not playing atten paying attention. But like for example, um um. My husband, uh, he will have his iPad out when we're playing game, when we're playing the game, and he'll be drawing, and it, he's still focusing on the game. It's right. Just he, exactly. Yeah, Which he, is fine. I've had no problem with that. Because nine times out of ten, if the person is neurodivergent or if they need to do stuff like that, you can tell they're paying attention. Oh, yeah. It's true. So, Yeah. <laughs> That's where my counterpoint was coming from. I just, I was expecting um, a little <laughs> more pushback. I, was, I wasn't expecting us to agree so quickly. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and that's the thing is because we've all experienced that where, you know, somebody is, is now neurodivergent or, or just simply has uh, a faster 
well, not necessarily faster, but just like a different thought process. And so a lot of times they need to multitask in order to, uh, to better focus. There yeah. are, you know, and there is an argument that if you have a player that's playing on their phone that isn't paying attention, that they're not neurodivergent, it's not a necessity. It's just because they're bored. That's the story weavers problem. That's where, okay, I'm me as a story weaver am not um, moving the story along quickly enough or getting through combat turns quickly enough. And so for me, or just not engaging enough, you know, or not engaging enough. And that's where we, we have to like try to learn um, better ways to engage the players and make sure that we're flip flopping. Cause I mean, I mean, a story weaver is by far the biggest multitasker at the table guaranteed there's so much going on in the story weaver's mind and that can be put into the episode where we talk about prep because i mean they're reading you know they're reading campaign notes they're reading their personal notes they're reading the character sheets um, also taking notes also taking notes and then they have to listen to what's going on you know because even if it's a player to player rp we're listening in because man maybe maybe they say something about their backstory that we could key in on later on in the campaign um and use that to our advantage for for better engagement but if we're not doing that i mean i i have been one of those people that during a combat if if one round is taking 20 minutes yeah i'm gonna be on my phone and wait for my turn granted i have the the experience uh and background in DD that i already know like i've i've done my character so i know what i'm gonna do uh but I'm not going to be engaged in a, a combat round where there are people who are just going, um, I don't know. I don't know what I don't want to do. I don't know what I should do. Um, and it takes 10 minutes for them to make a, a, a decision. So at least- that, that could go into the be prepared episode because that not exactly. only, that, that's not only for story weavers, but that's for players also. Yeah. Oh, and, the be prepared episode. We, yeah, we're definitely, that's probably going to be like episode seven because the next <laughs> episode six is going to be how to get into your character because we're talking about how to be a, a person at the table. And now we're going to talk about how to be a character in next episode. Um, so I guess episode seven will be be prepared because we, we're hitting on it so hard. Um, but, you know, something that I did to move combat around is that I, I bought eight little... Uh, 30 second uh sand hourglass timers and okay each one of you at the table gets one i get one and we flip it at the beginning of our turn in combat we have to make a decision within 30 seconds or our default action is the dodge action and there you go that's fair well i mean that's fair when you're playing with people who have a lot of experience playing playing right like dungeons and dragons or any tabletop game um I find that to be a little more difficult. Like, for example, the game that I'm running right now, I have a lot of new players. Oh, yeah. So combat took (laughs) took forever. Yeah, Um, and that's a different uh, thing altogether is, you know, we're an all-inclusive community or we're supposed to be. Um, And so, yeah, if you have a new player that doesn't quite understand the mechanics yet, that's completely different. I mean, that's something where, you know, we know ahead of time, hey, I'm going to need help uh during combat because i you know i'm playing wizard for the first time and there's there's a lot and yes yes there is (laughs) so and and or like rogue like what's 
what's the dash action? Can I, I could do it on my bonus action, but I thought in the player handbook, it says you can't do it, but you can, if you like, it's just, there's a lot. So yeah, yeah, if you, if you don't know the mechanics completely, just talk to your DM or your story weaver, let them know ahead of time. So that way they're not getting frustrated and that way they can tell the party, Hey, you know, guys, we've got a new player. He's only, been, he or she has only been playing for a month. They're going to need some help during combat. Let's all together help them you know, during combat, and then that's still engaging the rest of the table as well. Exactly. And so, which brings us to our most important point. Yes. Have, <laughs> Have fun. fun. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, these games are a blast. Yeah. I mean, just have a good time, like, with your friends. Like, drink a beer, laugh, like, create a story together drink too many beers it's totally like it it's all dependent on the the dynamic of the table but there have been many many times where illidine uh, myself have uh, has has gotten into my character a little bit too hard and i end up on the floor and i'm like i i attack the thing <laughs> and, challenge um, challenge your friends to a drinking contest yeah, Robbie, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Robbie, you tried that with me. Uh, I've tried it so many times. It doesn't. Doesn't even work at the Renaissance Fair. It doesn't. <laughs> Players and story readers alike, just have fun with it. Yes. Exactly. And that, I mean, friends. realistically, realistically, everything that we've said this episode, it all boils down to that. Because every every one of the points that we've talked about, you know, be prepared. If you're not prepared, sometimes the table might not have fun. If you're being a jerk, the table might not be having fun. You know, if you're not coming in on time, the table can't have fun. Every single one of them can be tied to just having fun. So if you keep that in mind, that you're playing a fantasy game, you're you're supposed to be with friends or at least making friends if you're playing with, with strangers at, at the time, you know, learn the learn the strangers' names, get to know them a little bit, play the game, have fun, and who knows, you might get you know their phone numbers and continue the the campaign. Like if you went to an adventure league or something, uh, you just make new friends, have fun, move on with your life. <laughs> I mean, it's called a role playing game. Exactly. Exactly. It's a game. Yeah. Don't take anything too personally just have fun yeah and so right there we'll we'll go ahead and, and end it on the uh, the have fun um listeners if you have liked our content so far um give us a like and a follow uh we're on podbean we're on spotify we're on google podcast so whichever one you're listening to right now give us a like and a follow uh write us a review we would love some feedback um you can email us our our email is in the description or at least should be uh on each page um and if it's not message me um and we also have now uh, a patreon if you want to support us financially um there's all kinds of different uh levels that you can be a patreon or a patron um on the website so you can find us at patreon uh slash this dungeon is occupied um and we also have a this dungeon is occupied facebook page uh so if you want to message us on there or comment or review us uh you can get in touch with us and we'll get back to you asap which right now is about 12 hours um 
you know, as soon as I see it, or as soon as uh, one of uh, Robbie sees it, we'll, we'll get on there and we'll, we'll message you and, and talk back at you. Um, and if you would like, uh, Robbie has a, uh, another campaign uh, that we stream uh, every other Monday. So actually this coming Monday uh, mm-hmm. after this is released. Um, so the coming Monday, it'll be uh, Glimpse the Unknown uh, Twitch stream. And it's the Ugorth, uh, or Ugarth, is it Ugorth? It's Ugorth. Ugorth, okay. So Ugorth uh, campaign uh, where I am a, a satyr bard and Thorn is a paladin cat meow. Um, paladin cat meow. <laughs> cal- paladin cat meow. It's, it's, Give yeah. me a roar at least. He's a panther. <laughs> 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 it's like an episode of Cats. It is except. an episode. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, Lord help me. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna argue for Butterbeans to to sing a musical. It has to happen. <laughs> um, feelings, nothing more than feelings. Yeah. So if you want to hear um, myself as Dimmy, the the chaotic satyr, be yelled at by a butler, uh, um, Butterbeans. Um, join us next session <laughs> on Monday. Please. I have I have a feeling uh, we're going to get into it. Um, so with that, remember to check your dungeons because this dungeon is occupied. <laughs>